0: It's, um, if you can't hear me, raise your hand. I'll try to speak as loud as I can without the microphone to begin with. So it's an honor to be here. I'm very um, uh, pleased to be in your company, and um, <clears throat> I've been asked to speak a little something about uh, uh, our tradition and um, the phrase, wise love, if you will, which is a uh, kind of a, uh, a a translation of the Sanskrit term bhakti which stems from the verbal root vaj, which means which means to love but the um, love in the context of yoga which is requires some brings some wisdom to the affair if you will and um, so I' I'll, I'll do my part and uh, you have to do your part also so. It's uh, 50/50 here. Your interest and earnestness will certainly have some um, play a factor in determining what, uh, what transpires this evening. Um, as an aside, uh, um, we have a small, well rather large actually Ashram not far from here. We have about 145 well, 45 hectares in the mountains between here and Nicoya, the name of the ashram is called Madhuvan which means Madhu means like sweet like honey and van means forest so it's a very sweet forest in more ways than one we've been there for about 10 years it's the first time I've ventured into Sambaran <laughs> and spoken on occasion like this so again I'm honored to be here but um uh, these are some of my students here, and um, I've been involved in the tradition of, of bhakti yoga for uh, half a century, so it's been a while, and uh, it's been good, quite good, since I was quite uh, quite young, then uh, I entered into monastic life, and haven't come out yet, so... <laughs> I recommend it for those who are psychologically. Uh, I said I recommend the monastic life for those who are psychologically uh, so oriented. The beauty of bhakti, in one sense, is that it uh, has a tradition, a yoga of love. Is that uh, it has a great uh, power, if you will. Um, there's. Probably little uh, disagreement with the idea that love is the most powerful force. So it has the power, for example, thank you, to uh, <clears throat> turn faults into ornaments. There's a saying uh, Mother named her child Padmalochan, blind child. The child was blind. Padmalochan means lotus eyes, which is a way of saying he has such beautiful eyes. Hmm? So who's blind? Some value to that kind of blindness, if you will, on the part of her mother, his mother, that turned his fault into an ornament. Mm-hmm. So, as a as a yoga, as a as a system, um, in pursuit of enlightened life, um, there's a good argument to be made for the. Um, efficacy of, thank you, efficacy of bhakti as a tradition over, for example, uh, posture or asana, for example, or, um, or, or or knowledge, tradition of knowledge, gyan. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, one of the... Uh, in this regard, uh, powers, if you will, of bhakti is that it doesn't, uh, she, I should say, doesn't require any, um, any qualification for participating and embarking on the path, her path, other than uh, faith in her efficacy, whereas, comparatively, um, in the Hindu tradition, past like Astanga Yoga, you may be familiar with Yoga Sutra of Patanjali and also in, in Bhagavad Gita, the kind of Bible of Hinduism, which differs somewhat from the Bible and then it's not so much about believing as it is about the nature of being. But therein um, the kind of I'm gonna say Astanga Yoga system is also described in the sixth chapter and in the sutras of Patanjali Yoga Sutra. That's a particular transcendental uh, uh, vehicle, path, that system of yoga, but there are some prerequisites for that, at least according to the the, um, orthodox uh, system, if you will, and the texts from which such a path... um, comes to us in the world. Uh, For example, uh, the yamas, niyama of yoga, one of them is brahmacharya, so that's pretty tall. Uh, It means celibacy. Not for everybody. Um, As a prerequisite. Now, of course, there are modern interpretations of the term and so forth that (laughs) that seem to make it more accessible. But uh, traditionally, it was a little more closed Uh, of a a group if you will Mm. and um, in the path of knowledge sometimes termed Raj Yoga um, knowledge has a peculiar uh, feature to it in that um, it doesn't go where ignorance is the two like don't go together that sounds pretty simple but um, it's a profound truth so with regard to Thank you. Put my harness on here. Like a cow. <laughs> so it can be more user friendly. Domesticate me. <laughs> so uh, welcome. Never too late. Right? This we got a lot of time here. Time without, without beginning. Huh? At? So, Gyan, knowledge. Talk a little bit about yoga for a moment. And as a path, as Asanga Yoga, and uh, and Gyan, the path of knowledge. So, knowledge doesn't go where ignorance is, and the problem with that is that we're ignorant. That's why we need to be enlightened. And the ignorance, of course, shows up. In, in our heart, so to speak, metaphorically speaking, in our heart, in terms of our desires, as the Buddha, you, you all, I'm sure, well know, ascertained the Trishna, not Trishna, but Trishna, Trishna means thirst, want, desire. This is uh, the problem. It really is. Ignorance, in a sense, because we all want to live well, happily, ever after. And um, if, if our pursuit, if our pursuit, you can hear me now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) If if our pursuit of enduring happiness is in relation to things that don't endure that is certainly a recipe for unhappiness. Mm. In the Gita, Krishna says it in another way, Buddha, Krishna, they have different ways of saying the same thing, if you will, right? He said, uh, mm. The nature of the world is is dukkha. Dukkha means it's like full of suffering. Mm. And Krishna is speaking this to his friend, Arjuna, and it's as if Arjuna thinks, well it may be but I kind of like it I like it may be full of suffering but there's things I like about it and Krishna says it's full of misery and even if you like it well you can't keep it so now, now what? <laughs> so the more you like it <laughs> If you can't keep it, the more problematic it becomes, right? So, a corollary, if you will, of knowledge is a uh, or detachment. If you know, hmm? if you're wise, then you don't pursue enduring happiness or life, enduring life, in relation to things that don't endure. Hmm? it's said, uh, also in the Gita, wisdom of Krishna, he says, um, I was trying to remember the Sanskrit, but uh, get older, so <laughs> uh, I forgot that one. But in English, at any rate, that he says that attachment is the womb from which suffering is born. It's a hard pill to swallow, but it's quite it's quite true. I mean, here, of course, I, I have to say that I'm speaking from certain premises that I assume that most of us agree with. Uh, the popular current of philosophical thought in the world, unfortunately, is, is uh, from philosophical, uh, philosophically speaking, uh, materialism or uh, physicalism, or another word for that would be naturalism which renders us all um, merely the uh, movements of natural or physical forces without any which is all determined without any will of our own to weigh in and be an an agent of action and have an influence and it's very counterintuitive perspective Mm -hmm. and um, in other words we live our lives intuitively speaking all of us human beings as if we have causal efficacy on the world that our uh, thoughts arising from from our sense of self that I am we have a deep sense that I am, right? or we are This is kind of the core of our reality. We know that. We know that we exist. And that's about one sense all we know. And interestingly enough, we know it. And we're sure about it. We conduct our life as, as if it's absolutely true. And we know about it through a subjective method. Subjectively we know. We cannot demonstrate it objectively. It's thought, unfortunately, in the world today, to a large extent, that unless you can objectively demonstrate something, it's not true. Well, we can't objectively demonstrate the sense that we exist, as we experience it ourselves, that I am. I am is for sure. That I am this or I am that, that's another thing. That can change. I am this, I am that, I am a Tico, or I am a Nico, just felt north of us, or I am, Is uh, it may be, Swedish, Italian, uh, Finnish, uh, another Italian. <laughs> I'm from San Francisco. Uh, that can change, we know that, right? Uh, you used to live in San Francisco, now you're here, right? For the most part. So, we can change our nationality. We can change our political orientation or drop out altogether, which might be a better idea. Um, we, can, we can change our sexual orientation or, uh, biologically speaking, we can change our our gender. That's a, a, a very powerful example of just how much we can change, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of, I think I'm a man, I think I'm a woman. That's pretty basic, but even that can change. So that I am this or I am that, the one thing that's constant in all of that kind of thinking, which is constantly in flux, I am this, I am that, I am his, he is mine, uh, and so on and so forth, What's constant in that thinking is one thing. It's not that I am this or I am that, but it is that I am. I am, that's for sure. And that I am this or I am that, that's also not sure. That's for sure not so. Hmm? That's surely not the case. Hmm? Not for very long, anyway. Hmm? And how long will I be? Hmm? I have no sense of not being, I don't ever remember not being, here. <laughs> There's a theory, this is not materialism, another theory, theory we're speaking, broadly speaking, um, within, that, uh, the, that we, as an entity, that, that, that voice, the quiet voice, I am, it kind of gets drowned out sometimes by uh, the thinking that I am this or I am that, mm-hmm. that that I am transcends uh, both things and thoughts, or things and thoughts about things, which is mostly what we think about. The mind is subtle enough that we could, we could use it as a tool. To stop thinking about things hmm? and think about I am. Hmm? And what that means? Hmm? Things and thoughts, or time and space. Materialistic perspective is dealing with the time-space continuum, examining it, um, and concluding from the materialistic, naturalistic, physicalist perspective that consciousness has no real bearing in the world. It's just like some kind of steam off of boiling water. Right? It's not how we live our life. That's not intuitively how we we proceed. And interestingly enough, of course, it doesn't make any sense. Because (laughs) If, follow me if you will if physicalism the idea which is a popular idea it's the prominent, dominant thinking in the philosophical community of the, of the world is true then because there are only physical forces interacting the sense that I am an individual a person, a self, that I have causal efficacy that I think about things, will things and then I carry them out and so forth that's all a complete illusion. And there's no right or wrong action. You can follow that, right? There's no right or wrong action if, if there's physical forces interacting. And you know what else there isn't? There's no right or wrong thought either, right? So where does rationality go? Hmm? It actually goes out the window. Hmm? If indeed, in, in that philosophy, which is, which is how bankrupt if you will, modern philosophy has has become unhinged, as it is, from forms of sacred revelation, like, for example, the sacred books of the Hindus or the the insight of the Buddha that comes from pursuing, living in the world in a different way, kind of living with the, the, uh, in line with the adage that Go within, or go without. That's a choice. Mm -hmm. What life is about, if you will, from my humble perspective, is what's out there, and who's asking the question, and who's looking at it. That's the whole, that's it. Are they the same? Does neither one exist? Does only the observer exist? Does only what's observed exist? So the schools of, 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 of um, ego-effacing spiritual pursuit, I, I, I use this phrase ego-effacing to differentiate um, what I would call authentic spiritual paths and traditions that have real efficacy to deliver um, a, a, a measure of enlightened experience as to what that I am is all about Hmm? differentiate ego facing differentiates those paths from kind of you make it up as you go along and uh, type of 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 a spirituality that that doesn't deal with doesn't serve to deconstruct the present sense of identity that we have that I am this, or I am that. That needs to be disconstructed, but mm? to arrive at what I'm really interested in, being happy forever, mm? to, or, to, or to arrive at a kind of knowledge that, by which one, the experience is, there's nothing more to be known. You don't know everything, I mean every detail, but there's another kind of knowledge, mm? right? by which one experiences there's nothing more to be known I don't, and there's nothing that needs to be done hmm? other than to celebrate that. That's what the kirtan is an example of, for example. So, I was saying that knowledge and ignorance don't go well together, right? So, if we have ignorance in our heart and we're preoccupied with the thought that I am this or I am that rather than that, that will get in the way of contemplating that I am, which is far uh, uh, in a way more profound than any this or that that you could come up with even in your dreams. Could be this or that physically, and there are many ways, as I was explaining briefly, that we could change that. But in your dreams, your thoughts, you could even exponentially <laughs> uh, further the possibilities, right? I mean, in the physical world, there's gold and there's mountains. In a dream, we could have a gold mountain, mm-hmm. right? So the realm of thought is more subtle, the more possibilities that lie there. But even the realm of thought, what to speak of the world of action, whatever we could come up with, I am this or I'm that, or I could be this, or I could be that, hmm? if you put all of those, this is and that's together, hmm, they wouldn't hold a candle to the difference between how profound... It is to understand, even theoretically, and then pursue systematically, what to speak of experience, the implications of I am. Hmm? And so, the, so the way to to arrive at this is, of course, we would, would be good to take advice from those who have told us about it over the centuries through different traditions and so forth hmm? and their example of and it extends beyond the Hindu traditions the Buddhist traditions even the Western traditions you have esoteric mystics in, in, in Islam and uh, Sufis and Christianity and many of the early uh, Teresa, Avila, St. Francis a couple of my favorites um, a, they, they went within to explore the I am, and they didn't come up um, empty-handed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they came up with a kind of knowledge that, that, an insight mm-hmm, and a, a approach to helping others a, arrive at it. That you know, it, it, it's not that uh, it's uh, it's in a way counterintuitive in that it says, well, to use the Buddhist term, less is more. Mm-hmm. Right? So, uh, life really, uh, in my experience, does not proceed logically as much as it does, if you will, mystically or trans-rationally. For example, mathematically speaking, If I have ten and I give away five, I have less. So it would seem that by giving, you would have less. That's not true, is it? (laughs) Indeed, not only will you have more by giving, the giving is the more. That's another. And you don't really give. Unless he once to that point, right? Mm-hmm. If you give but hold on to get something back, you haven't given. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't hurt, you haven't given. So love is born from the womb of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. There's, some, there's some math to the beauty of it all. Mm-hmm. Some discipline is... Uh, required. So we have the disciplines of yoga, of the school of jnana, the problem that I'm saying in comparison to bhakti, and you can choose whatever they like, but, and that's fine, all well and good, but from the bhakti perspective, hmm, I'm talking about the yoga of love, the generosity and the power of love uh, in the yoga contents is uh, considerable. Again, she doesn't ask any qualification from you, like, first be celibate, then come on board. That's pretty generous comparatively to, to the, for example, the yoga tradition as it's given in the Orthodox texts. In the school of Gyan, or knowledge, then again, knowledge really won't enter your heart, if you will, unless the ignorance is... Not there, so you have to have a pure heart for knowledge to manifest hmm? Bhakti because love has extraordinary another thing, let's look at it like this I find this very fascinating So I didn't plan this talk out so we're just kind of going as, as comes of deal. so action cancels out knowledge and knowledge cancels out action what I mean by that is if our action in this world is in relation, as I said earlier, to things that don't endure, and we're attached to those, this is a recipe for suffering, and that's ignorance. Hmm? Now, we're all ignorant, so we can forgive ourselves a little bit, but, <laughs> but that's a starting point, right? The Buddha said, again, a thirst for for things, for the world. This is the cause of suffering. I mean, if you don't... Why do we move? Because we're not fulfilled. <laughs> if you're full, why, why move? If you're complete, why move? We're moving out of incompleteness, for the most part. So, moving, then, if you will, or action, to put it in the, in the, in the, in the Sanskrit terms, karma is where there's karma, there is not jnana or knowledge. Where there's jnana, knowledge, karma is finished. So if you have knowledge, there's no action. If you action, there's no knowledge. The two, I mean obviously there's a spectrum here, but they cancel one another out at the two ends of the spectrum. But in in love, in bhakti, there's movement and there's knowledge. There's action and there's knowledge. I mean from our material experience we can understand. Love's a lot of work. Hmm? Right? Love's a lot of work. At least in the beginning. Hmm? And if you make the sacrifice that is required, then you do the work then you can enter into immaterially speaking and I'm just giving a material example it's, it's limited you can enter into a, 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 a relationship let's say for example that's that's kind of intuitive and the two that you and I become we it's a kind of a dynamic unity it's not that you and I in order to become one cancel one another out but we merge into such a a way, through love, that you become a a third entity that exceeds both the individual, you and I. So this, if you will, is the idea of union with the the Absolute in the school of bhakti. Hmm? Therefore, the implication of this is Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Peace, right? Peace. We want peace. Peace. Is that all we want? Why do we want peace? Because we're at war. It's not just, you know, politically speaking or or militarily speaking or economically speaking, there's a war, but we live in a plane of a realm, a plane of experience where jivo jiva siv jiva it's a very Darwinian perspective here from it's it's not the whole picture but one living being is food for another that's just a a cruel fact Mm -hmm. so we are all hunting and look over your shoulder you're all being hunted also Mm -hmm. we've identified that I has identified with I am this or that, that takes the shape of a biological and psychological complex, that it needs maintaining, and if we don't, it might not exist, so we're struggling to meet its needs. They're not the needs of I, but they're the needs of what I have identified with, and, and it's a lot of work, it's a lot of labor, and it's a struggle, and I'm inevitably, invariably, at odds with others to one extent or another who are involved in the same struggle. It's just unavoidable. We live in a world of our minds. We have a sense of I that's not this I am, but I am this or that that's based on our desires, our likes and dislikes. I like this. I don't like that. What do you think? Do you like what I like? Do you not like what I like? Don't like? Okay, let's get together. But, and then, then we find... A little closer. Well, there are some things you like and I don't like, and uh, right. So we live in this not so sovereign domain of our mind, where uh, the I that arises there is based on a sense of my. This is my house, my country, my family, my this or my that. Nothing is ours. So the I, the false I, that arises out of that, well, it's false. It doesn't have any real standing. Hmm? The I that arises out of a sense of my, in other words, our desires, our thirst, hmm, gives rise to an identity that can't be maintained, but we're, we're like watching it on the screen in a, in a, in a, in a, here's a, here's a modern example, a, what would you call it a, how do they do that when they look in the computer, a virtual, a virtual, okay, virtual reality, hmm? There I am living in this virtual reality. I don't realize I'm sitting there. Somebody's got it. it's like the television it used to be, I guess the computer's like that now. Um, it requires a person to turn on the television, um, but the television could take over somebody's life. Right? And you've got to go pull them away and say, Yeah, hey, get away from me. There's other things to do, or away from the computer. It's a problem with some young people today, they get so preoccupied in virtual world of computer games and so forth that they become uh, they, they, they lack socialization in terms of the the, the, the real world <laughs> but to speak of we're living in a virtual reality i'm saying but speaking of putting a virtual reality on top of virtual reality that's uh, problematic mm-hmm. so <laughs> so um so this a sense of uh, uh, I that's based on really, I like this, I don't like that, I think it's cold here, I think it's hot there, I think this is good, this is bad, this is happy, this is sad, and there's an I that corresponds with that. That I is invariably, as I'm saying, at odds with other senses of I, all of which are perceiving the world to be some limited Instruments of the senses. Your senses say it's hot. My senses say turn on the fan. Not really, but or I say or you, you would say turn on the fan. And I say turn. It's cold in here. It's A little chilly here tonight. So, is it hot? Is it cold? These are just perceptions. Mm-hmm. The senses in contact with objects of the senses, like the eyes in touch with forms, and therefore sight. The ears touch with sounds and hearing, the tactile senses in touch with whatever we touch. And messages are relayed, so to speak, to the mind. And the mind says, quietly, I like this, I don't like that. This is good, this is bad. And an I, an identity forms there, based on this. The problem, of course, is everybody's reading is a little bit, to be postmodern, a little bit different, right? Of course, I'm not a postmodernist, but... <laughs> everybody's reading is subjective their senses are giving them a slightly different picture hmm? so we can't agree on exactly what it was like to hear from Swami tonight you know I thought it was pretty bad <laughs> I thought it's okay so as it may be so <laughs> which is right <laughs> which is wrong these are like readings of the experience or of the nature of being or reality through instruments that are imperfect hmm So, yoga and spiritual practice and Bhakti type of yoga, so of course, is about um, not limiting our reading of the nature of existence to the faculties of mind, senses, intellect, mind, or even intellect. That's another thing. The senses may. Experience something that the mind may say that's good, but intelligence very quietly may say, "But it's not good for you." But we tend to ignore that hmm? so often, unfortunately. You ever do something that you knew wasn't good for you? Once in a while, <laughs> you, knew, you knew it, you knew it, but you did it, and then you said, "I'll never do that again." And then you did it again and again and again. This is our. This is our predicament. We are pathetic. We are pathetic. Therefore, we need help. That is the point. Mm-hmm. And be very virile. Yoga is actually very virile. <laughs> Although, the, 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 in in all of the yoga cities I've ever cities I've ever spoken in, they are like eighty percent young know, ladies. Or ladies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's a very virile. Thing that, it, it, traditionally, mm-hmm. um, I don't mean that in a negative or, or or a positive way. What I mean is it's it's, it's it, it yoga as a discipline for enlightenment is uh, very effort uh, driven. There's a lot of effort. Obviously, you get into a it's different than the ordinary effort of going out and acquiring things and and arguing and bargaining and, and, and fighting over the price and, and whatnot obviously it's different, but still it's, it's, it's quite a bit of, um, of effort, it's an effort to sit after all, isn't it? There's a Buddhist saying don't just do something sit there and when I was a kid somebody maybe my age was quite the opposite, don't just, don't just sit there, do something mm? Don't just sit there. Don't just do something. Sit there. What could be easier? It's not so easy. (laughs) Think The Buddha. What did he do? He just sat. That's all. That's all. Is that so hard? Yeah. (laughs) It it, it doesn't sound hard, but it it, is a little hard. Mm -hmm. After all, he said, if we're moving in, in pursuit of enduring happiness in relation to things that don't endure, we should probably stop moving in relation to those things and just sit down. But we've got this momentum, right? We've been moving in this direction for how long? Hmm? Through countless lifetimes, through different species, we viewed the world. We viewed the world from the sky, from the land from the water. This is a pan-psychic perspective, right? Consciousness is not an epiphenomenon of the mind, like, for example, or uh, um, other such materialistic uh, perspectives. But it's really the ground of uh, a being, right? It's that much... Everything is based on, it's the uh, I am, as I said, that as we have been saying. So, um, yoga, is long as it's sitting, like, like the we would taught but it's it's it's, it's 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 not so easy to do we, we have this momentum of going in the opposite direction and being takers being hunters and being hunted and and, and viewing the world let's say through different species if you uh, embrace the principle of panpsychism then you you have the opportunity to honor all forms of life right and then Think, hmm, there's consciousness in different forms of life. How'd they get there? Why am I in this form of life? The I am. I'm telling you, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, hmm, panpsychism, which is the original form of which is Vedanta, or yoga, also has a panpsychic perspective, that consciousness is just. It doesn't have a biological basis to it. It exists, and all species of life have consciousness. It used to be thought that only humans have self awareness. Descartes thought like this. This is the beginning of the environmental crisis. Hmm? To distinguish man, they didn't say it at that time, but, and women, from from the natural world natural world was profane mm. and then there was humans that were divine children of the God who could take from the world as they wanted and there's no there's nothing out there I mean it's just stuff mm. for us, for the kids And God's the Father He wants us to be happy take from the world mm. and then they proceeded to you know Ghost bust Europe and do away with paganism by selling the one miracle that one person came back from the dead. It never sold that well in India for some reason. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> and i you know there's good, good, good things to Christianity there, a, there at its heart, right? Mm-hmm. But like many disciplines my own included, people distort them and abuse them and, uh, and misrepresent them terribly, and it's very uh, ugly. It's like, what's worse, a thief or a counterfeiter? You know, and it's like, it's even worse, the counterfeit, and so on. So, the panpsychic perspective is now becoming more popular because in the scientific community, examining the world as they do with the microscope and the telescope and so forth, they've come to realize that (laughs) that vertebrates have some sense of self-awareness. Vertebrates, I should say. That's like, whoa. So they actually have some sense of ego of I, that I am. Hmm? Obviously, their sense of I am and then the experience of the world from the up of that I am is relative to the apparatus that they have. The apparatus is the body and the mind. There is something called mind, actually. Mind is not just a physical thing. That would be physicalism. Mind is just physical stuff. There's no real mind. Yeah, anyway, that's a little bit different tangent, but, 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 now they understand that vertebrates have a sense of self-awareness, not just humans, goodness, but, of course, it stops there. No, it doesn't. Now they've gone further, and they discovered something that's been in the the wisdom of the Buddha and the Gita for thousands of years, that invertebrates, like bees and other insects, a lot of them are around here. Hmm? Think about it. They have a sense of eye. Hmm? Now, obviously, they're experiencing the world very differently because their apparatus is different. The eye is the same. It's a unit of spark of consciousness. Hmm? Consciousness doesn't just mean like I'm conscious, I'm aware of something. That's an aspect of consciousness. Think of it like this. There's a light, and a light illumines other things. So its power to illuminate other things is like awareness. But awareness is based on the light being self-luminous itself. So we're a self-luminous unit that relative to the apparatus that we have, meaning the bi- biopsychological complex that we find ourselves in, <coughs> uh, we're aware of certain things and or, or, you know, a certain type of mosquito awareness, uh, honeybee awareness, as may be the case. But that agent in there, hmm, that's having the honeybee awareness, which is another this or that. And I'm a honeybee. <laughs> <laughs> might be good Uh, I have a mosquito not sure about that one Uh, but that's again just part of this or that we didn't think that far we only talked first within the human spectrum but from a panpsychic perspective there's consciousness everywhere how did it get there Oh, now of course it only goes to invertebrates they don't have the same brain structure it was thought well consciousness is just something in the brain we'll figure it out We'll find it. We'll map that brain out until we find that part of the brain that says, it's just dull matter, non-experiential matter. that suddenly says, hey, that feels good. Touch me again. Does that make sense? Do you think that experience will arise out of non-experience? there's no hope for that believe me there's no hope for experience arising out of non-experience hmm? No. Hmm? it's really bizarre that experiencers are reaching that kind of conclusion that's again physicalism materialism as a philosophy it's quite uh, quite uh, bizarre think of it like this I mean, from a physicalist perspective, there's just atoms bouncing around like pool balls on a a pool table. Hmm? Just bouncing around. Do you think that at one point one of these pool balls is going to turn and say, could you put a little more chalk on that? That's that's just a joke, right? It's absurd. That's the philosophy of materialism. That at a certain point, to to deal with consciousness, at a certain point, somehow or other Non experiential matter became experiential. Then they tried to try to biological evolution, which has its merits, but there's a problem with biological evolution when you try to make it the answer to everything in life. When you can't, when on the one end, there's no hope for a biogenesis, there's no hope for that. Years ago, it used to be thought by biogenesis means chemical evolution, that chemicals evolve. Into life, chemicals turn into biology and we're just going to prove it pretty soon nobody talks about it anymore it's put on the shelf hmm there's, there is there, there is a hypothesis called the biogenesis that has not even become a theory there's a difference between a hypothesis and a the theory, a theory is like it's starting to work, it seems that like we can plug it in here according to this discipline and it works or that discipline it seems to give consistent data and so forth Hmm? that's on the one end the idea that non-living chemicals will suddenly become living and then that the biological living things living matter will become aware of itself that's on the other end consciousness Hmm? this biological evolution is in between these two ends that are so far from being answered in the theory of everything, that they're they're not like a crack in the wall, but like the Grand Canyon or the Pacific Ocean. Hmm? The basis of, let's take biological evolution for a moment, the basis of evolution is that that which evolves has some, is a semblance of that which it evolved from. This is the basic premise that which evolved is not something entirely absolutely in all ways different from that which it evolved from but there's something in that which evolved that was in that which it evolved from so if you this is is a problem of course for trying to reduce consciousness to a Darwinian perspective because experience is a lot different than non-experience, it's like absolutely different, there's no relationship between the two, we are experiencers, Hmm? and because we're experiencers, that means because we have awareness, there are consequences, there are consequences for awareness, I mean we teach that to our kids, right? In fact, the more aware you are, the more there are consequences for what you do. Right? So, in a metaphysical sense, the fact that we have consciousness is why there is karma. The fact that we have awareness is why, on the physical level, there are consequences. Hmm? So the doctrine of karma is an interesting doctrine, we can't go into it at length, but Everyone's familiar with the term, right? Consciousness and the corresponding karma, or the, the consequences for our awareness and how we apply ourselves and so forth, is the mechanism by which I am finds itself thinking I am a honeybee, I am a mosquito, I am a human, I am a man, I am a woman. Hmm? Now we have consciousness in humans, self-awareness, we have it in the in, invertebrates, we have it in vertebrates. Now, they always want to stop there, but not for. further Now it's plants, next, next domain. There's good, good evidence for supporting the panpsych idea of yoga. That, yeah, there's consciousness in plants, there's a self awareness there too. But now, so the point being, I'm only making the point as an aside that we have experienced and observed the world as a plant, as a bug, as an animal, as, an animal, as a mammal, as, as a as a as it may be the case. Now we're humans. What is the difference in the human life and all these other species of life is that we have a chance to not only be aware, but be more self-aware and think about it and ask why all the other species the question is how how to eat how to sleep how to find a mate that's what's going on how to protect myself there's no time for why the karma to be in those species of life is such that that the atma the self is more subdued and covered in human life it starts to come to the fore and we ask A question that is nowhere else asked in nature. What is that question? Why? Oh. And then we think. We tell our children, don't ask that question. Hmm? We used to ask that. We shouldn't stop asking. Why, Dad? But why is it like that? Don't ask that. Just do your homework. Hmm? Don't stop asking the question why this is this is this is what yoga is about, this is what spiritual life is about. Why? It's a question that human life is constituted of. I and mean, where is the question coming from? How is a quantitative question? Why is a qualitative question? Why? Meaning, value, purpose. Where does all that come from? It comes from consciousness. I mean, this is a, what do we call it? A Shala. Just ask it. No. Michelle? Is it? Just ask Michelle. Don't ask the Shala. Ask Michelle. It's a shala. It has qua- its its wood and stone and other things, right? But she has posited value in it. Mm-hmm. It's a shala. Mm-hmm. In other words, we—we we posit value. We are a unit of value, quality, not a unit of quantity. We're unquantifiable, infinitesimal spark. Of consciousness hmm? in the smoke if you will of illusion hmm? just suddenly separate from the fire of our of our source where hmm? this heat and light hmm? Hmm? so we have had now we have human life, we have other, it's like a great time, it's a great time, human time, mm-hmm. and it's well spent in this type of inquiry and, and pursuit, and we're fortunate that some people have really inquired, like, deeply, and they got answers. Mm-hmm. Texts like the sacred texts of the Hindus, these are like answers to the why question, they come from deep, inward movement, and their answers would come, just like from a platonic, with a capital P, Plato, platonic point of view. There are mathematical formulas, equations, that explain the world. Mm-hmm. Plato thought that they lived in a, in a realm, in a non-physical realm, like personified. Mm-hmm. This is still a popular mathematical uh, theory. There's two theories in mathematics. One is that we create mathematical theories to explain the world. The other is we discover them. Hmm? Well, you might have heard of the famous Indian mathematician Ramanujan, who got the mathematical formulas from the goddess Radha, Came to him that are still like. They're still exploring the implications of them. They have pretty practical ramifications and, and so forth. So there's good reason to think, as, as Plato did, that there are formulas. The world is, is, is tele, teleological. It has a purpose. It, and, and, of course, we live it like that. Is that it does. You can't live as a life. life. has no meaning. Nobody can live like that. So why philosophize it? With us? It's just like this huge disconnect. You have to be able to walk your talk, right? Mm. Or what's the value of it? Mm-hmm. Yoga is actually a, 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 a talk, and there's talk to it. <laughs> that, that you can walk. Materialism, you cannot walk the talk. Mm-hmm. You can't live as if there's no meaning. You can go on and debate and say, there's really no meaning in life. There's new, there are no why questions, only how questions. Mm-hmm. You might I'm going to go, why am I debating you? <laughs> there's no meaning you are, there's, there's, there's no right, there's no wrong there's no rationality what, you run a wrong stage here you but uh, so hmm. human life is very special because there's an opportunity to be a yogi a yogin hmm? to be, to inquire within, and there are those who have they've come out with with answers like those mathematical formulas, they heard the sounds, the mantra. They heard, for example, we were chanting the Hare Krishna mantra. They heard it, and it, what it meant to them. They put it out there and said, "Just chant it." Can't even explain it. We could talk about it, but but and we try, but but. And so there's sounds mm, that, that it's like you know the dog whistle, only the dog can hear it, right? So there's sounds that, that that you could hear by going within, and they sound good. They're very good, they're very encouraging. Mm, mm. So again, go within or really go without, come up empty handed, right? Mm. So you can do that through yoga, you can do that for through Gyan, but it's difficult to get the knowledge when there's an ignorance. It's like tough to just sit also. Bhakti, again, is yoga of love. So yoga love is very generous, as I said earlier. It turns faults into ornaments. In bhakti school, you don't have to be a monk to practice bhakti, you don't have to be celibate. Because it has great power. Hmm? Let's say you were we were attached to a significant other Well, we just heard attachments are a problem now what? Swami says that's alright look at it like this I have faith in the efficacy of bhakti in the yoga of love and in order to practice it there are certain things that I feel I need. Otherwise, I'm so emotionally unwholesome, so un that I can't practice. Right? Let's say you really feel you need a partner. Most people do. Um, of course, the more needy you are, the worse position you're in to be looking for a partner. You have to be a little bit whole, right? But still... Um, in bhakti, its power is such that you can be attached to a significant other and think, I need this other mm, to practice bhakti. And, and he... We're on the same page, so he needs it too. He needs me, I need she, or he needs he, or whatever, whatever is the case, right? Mm. Oh. So, then... The power of bhakti is that it can spiritualize the relationship. You don't have to separate. Hmm? You can be attached for a purpose that transcends the attachment itself. Hmm? Let me give another idea. In the path of knowledge, one progresses by detachment. Because, again, attachment to things is ignorance. So by detachment, you make progress. But in bhakti, you make progress by attachment, by sangha, by attachment to like-minded persons. And bhakti also, you don't have to just sit, you could dance. How's that? That's easier. Dance to, to the music. Kirtan. Kirtan is so beautiful that it is, it is an anga, a limb of the angi, the body, of bhakti. It's not a limb, or a yama, or a niyama of yoga. you can studied it's not one. But all the yoga schools, and all the sthamma yogis, they do kirtan <laughs> these days, right? Because so, bhakti is so nice, so generous. They maybe don't always understand, kirtan is, is one of the principal limbs of bhakti. How, how can it not be? If you love someone, you're going to sing about them, right? Bhakti has the power to turn any song into a kirtan. That takes a lot of bhakti, but (laughs) it's possible. And bhakti, it's it's very user-friendly So in every way, because the senses can be engaged with the sense objects for higher purpose. If bhakti is a school and a discipline of love, then it involves service, because if you love someone, you want to you do things for them, right? So now, what's coming into the picture here, towards the end of our talk, forgive me for going on for so long, is, is, is the idea that in order to be involved in a yoga of love, of bhakti, there's got to be a significant other, in whom you want to repose your service, your loving propensity, right? Mm -hmm. Now, who's that going to be? It can't be one of these names and forms that are here today and gone tomorrow, right? You already excluded that, that's not part of the program. So, except in a provisional sense, we get together to do yoga, to do bhakti, right? You strengthen one another to do we. Okay, that works. But, in in, in an absolute sense, we need a significant other that that we can give to without reservation, without any expectation of return, and never be disappointed. Because if we try to do that in relation to someone who cannot give back unlimitedly, it's not going to work. You try to have unconditional love, you unconditionally love someone or something that doesn't have, have the capacity to reciprocate in kind, then it seems like, I don't think that some traditional love works there very well. So you, so you need an object of love to repose your love and it has the capacity to reciprocate as much or more as you can give. Hmm? So in Bhakti, while we transcend the duality of hot and cold, good and bad, of material existence... We talked about earlier in the small world of the mind. We enter into, we end the war, the struggle for existence, the taking. We stop taking, so we're no longer being hunted. Hmm? I mean, this idea of all spiritual disciplines, one extent or another. So in bhakti, we do this, and we come to peace. We understand I am, and what is the I am? But. We also experience what I am, what I be, so to speak. And let's put it like this. What's better, to love to exist, or to exist to love? It's not a hard question. (laughs) What's better, to love to exist, or to exist to love? So, if you realize, I am, I exist, in the, beyond time and space. I have no beginning, I have no... It's pretty blissful. There's no fear. I mean, in the real sense. Not just a bumper sticker or something. Or a saying. Right? I am. And we can just sit on that forever. That's peace. There's no war. You end the struggle. You're not, you're not taking. You're not exploiting. You're beyond the... You, you know... Yeah, no karma, no action. You know. Hmm? So you can really love to exist in that sense. You can really love. So there's bliss, love, ananda, in the the atma, atmananda, the bliss of the self, brahmananda, the bliss of brahman, peace. It's a peaceful bliss. Like, you thought you had cancer and you found out it was wrong oh, it's a huge relief it's a huge relief you can sink in it but now yeah, peace is one thing what about love? my generation peace and love we want peace and love peace can be still quiet if you're at war with another nation then you have peace okay, what's that peace? Truce. peace but then what about Another kind of movement. Now, there was a movement of warring. The peace was put down the war, put down the guns. Now, the love comes on top of that. This is kind of a movement then. Commerce, interaction, happy, right? So, as I said earlier, love it requires movement. And it's wise movement. Because you have the knowledge of what I am and what I am not. Pass through all of that mm-hmm. in the context of bhakti, and 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 now you have the prospect not only of loving to be or loving to exist, but existing to love. There's something to do in transcendence. In other words, there's movement of it that's categorically different. Hmm? Movement that doesn't compromise non-duality. Just like I said, you, to give an example, you and I become we. That's cool. Now there's movement, but we're like moving together. Hmm? So, if you know that I am, I mean really, then you can be full and see the need to move. But in bhakti you become so full because you've come out in touch with yourself, but with your source in a loving context, and now this movement to, to celebrate the fullness, that's called Lila. Lila looks like karma, but it's not. It's Karma means I owe, I owe, so off the work I go. Lila means only play. So God, if you will, maybe not a popular word, but the absolute, because it has all those religious connotations that can the old laws that say you shouldn't do this and shouldn't, but don't retain it now because the whole text has been misunderstood so it, but our source Krishna hmm? is a name, there are many names Krishna represents like the heart of the absolute depicted just plain. You'll see in the Hindu pantheon, they have all these gods and goddesses, they all got something to do. They got some power and so forth. Krishna just said he does nothing. He's just playing. That's all. That's how he's depicted. This is depicting the heart of the Absolute who has nothing he has to do. He who, or that which is only playing, is arguably. All powerful, because it takes power to play. If you want to play, did I say take a vacation? You got to have some power. You got to have some time off. You got to have some money. Hmm? So he who is only playing is all powerful. And what is the power? The power in Christian is the power of love. So he, he, this is the idea, it's a depiction of the absolute as only, as as all. lovable and this has been celebrated in drama for centuries in literature in music in dance this idea um, that is uh, central uh, to to Bhakti it posits a significant other if you will consciousness other that is our source that we can have a relationship with in transcendence that is not like this oh, let's say let's say if, 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 and it's not true but let's say I was God and you realize it you might say oh my God <laughs> and, and move back like oh my God right but in the school of bhakti in our tradition we're not interested in that feature of the absolute mm? that's available Mm-hmm. Agape in the Greek, but this is like a transcendental eros, even mm-hmm. intimacy with the absolute. That the idea of Krishna as depicted in art is, in order for the infinite to be intimate with the finite, it must take on a finite-like appearance. Because if it was infinite in appearance, the finite would be. Oh, we would feel how finite you are, oh goodness, how small I am. Hmm? So to bridge the gap between object of worship and worshiper, which is the term worship into love and have intimate union with the absolute, which is the feat the feature of the absolute that, that offers this opportunity. And that's what is meant by the word Krishna. Buddha offers a different aspect. Hmm? Shankara or Shiva is another aspect. They're all good and well, but, it, it, but in the Bobby school, just to, just to share this with you, this is, this is the idea of Krishna. So, we in our ashram, that's not far from here, as I mentioned earlier, we are preoccupied with this um, type of yoga. And kirtan is one of the things that, uh, not that good at it musically, but it it's not about music. So, it's not like a form of entertainment, really. But um, it's, it's the principle principal uh, practice, if you will, in the context of, of the school of bhakti and uh, the object of love which, of which is Krishna, who can reciprocate, who, who turns into like the friend of the devotee, the lover of the devotee. This is a very peculiar um, idea. I'm an author, you may know, I've written many books. Um, I don't have them here, there's a, there's a couple of books here one written by a student of mine called Wise Love, but I, uh, I've written extensively theologically about this uh, concept, and I'm just fascinated by it it's my whole life, so um, you can look me up on the internet and find a book if you like, or come visit an ashram, and, and thank you very much for your time and interest. Hare Krishna. Jai Ravinda Jai Any question? Can ask if you like. It's a little late, but... Perfect. Yes? So, um, do you think that things that you're talking about, um, when you start to acknowledge wise it's like, okay, now really we all entered the love, do you think that that, that that is where our collective conscience is, is atone? In world, the world, you mean? Yeah. Well, you know, I think, to be honest with you, that we all have certain association or orbit, you know, in which we orbit, <laughs> of friends of like-minded people. We tend to like to keep company of like-minded people in, in a company in which we'll thrive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so then we kind of start to see the world from that vantage point, and because of the kind of person you are, it's natural for you to think that the whole world's going in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah because of the kind of association you keep and the kind of person you are. But it's, uh, there's a lot of people that think quite differently. One of them is the president of the country I come from. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, and also, to broaden the, the perspective, what is the world? What is the planet? I mean, have you ever seen how big this planet is? in comparison to everything that's out there. So we're talking about the whole galaxy now, <laughs> about the whole universe. So it's good sometimes to, you know, um, it's, it's it's I think it's good for you to follow what you feel, how the world should go and how we hope it should go and 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 go there. But don't wait for everybody else. If you're waiting don't (laughs) because it may take some time and besides that from a metaphysical point of view the world in Hinduism it comes and goes the universe expands and contracts expands and contracts and there's no beginning to this expanding and contracting and there'll be no end to it but there's a way out of samsara so find your way out and all your friends will follow you (laughs) <laughs> that's my humble advice. Anything else? You want to save the world? Save yourself. That's the beginning. That's a big <laughs> okay. Thank you all very much. Yeah? Can we do more fear time? Sure. Can we do some more fear time? Can we do more fear time? Can we do more fear time? you sure? We can? Yes, we can. Sean, can you take the harmony? What do you want to chant? How about, you know, this chant, Ravinda Jaya Jaya, Ropal we'll Jaya Jaya. you know that one? I don't understand either. I just can't.